Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Clearly, we weren't ready to be mothers. <laughs> Let me just cue this up. Miss. Ooh, it was weird not starting out by saying something. Hi. Hi. Hi, sweet face. How's your sweet face? Still a face? I love your face. How's your beautiful face? Really angry at one of our two mascots because he's never really an asshole while we record and right now he just really wants to be. So if you hear any strange clicking or clacking, please know that Axel has decided that my boom is his personal ass scratcher right now. Wow, yeah, that's super weird, other than crawling into our laps and wanting all the attention. I know, he never messes with my boom. And then on the other hand, Static is like, Mom, I must fuck with everything. <laughs> yep, kittens. How was your day today? Super busy. Was still working right before logging on. Were you really? Mm -hmm. I love you. It's been a crazy day. I believe you. I believe you. Do you want to tell me what you're drinking to go along with your crazy day? Sure. While we're diving right into it. <laughs> so I picked these in my six pick, but I gave Nick a choice of which one of these I should drink tonight because it was between two fruit drinks. Okay. Or like fruit-based drinks. And this one is called Stube's Bloobs. It's a milkshake IPA by a brewery that I got wrong a uh, previous time. It's Barrel 41 Brewing Company. Okay. I was going to say, are those the same people with the cookie dough spoon beer? Yep. Nice. Is it delicious? It is really delicious. And normally I don't like blue, blueberry. <laughs> normally I don't like blueberry flavored things. So the fact that I like it is interesting. I like blueberries fresh but i don't like them in like pies or i like blueberry muffins but that's about it i'm picky with my blueberries so you're a blueberry snob is what you're telling me apparently but not for beer <laughs> i also am really picky about blueberries i don't love it when they're hot i don't love it i don't love hot blueberries hot blueberries freak me out so i totally understand when you were like pie i'm like meh you're right but, okay, so I recently had a cupcake that had blueberry pie filling, but, like, on this cupcake. That was superb, but I don't like it in a pie. I don't know. I'll give you all of those if I ever encounter them. Excellent, and I will love you forever for that. What are you drinking tonight? I am also drinking a fruit beverage. Fruit beverage. 
And actually, uh, there's a small, small backstory to this beverage because today we released our new, our new logo for our series, right? We released our Girls Just Want to Have Fun logo and uh, we were talking about it with Miss Melissa and you had made a comment about wanting to be a plant mom so bad, but you are not a great plant mom. And I'm sorry, could you just for our listeners sake, tell everybody what you said about being a plant mom? You mean the fact that I've killed a cactus? I do mean that, yes. I do mean... Oh, okay. <laughs> I do mean exactly that. I do mean that. Because guess what I'm drinking? A cactus beer? A cacti. Aw, what is it? It's a agave spiked seltzer. It's 7% alcohol. It is pineapple flavored. And holy, holy, holy fuck. Oh my God. It's so good. It's so fucking delicious. It's so pineapple-y and good. And honestly, I had sent Kayla one of these in her mystery box, except hers was coconut. And now I'm like really, really jealous that I sent her the coconut one because I love coconut. (laughs) And I know that she also loves coconut, so I'm not mad that I sent her that one, but like Shit, if the coconut one is even half as good as the pineapple one, I'm going to be set for life on seltzers. I swear to God. Nice. So the brand is Cacti? Yes, the brand is Cacti. Um, It is 1% juice. <laughs> it's 100% premium blue agave from Mexico. It's really, really fucking great. It says... Cacti is made with 100% premium blue agave from Mexico and natural flavors for a refreshing and bold taste. And that is exactly what it is. It's very refreshing, but the pineapple, they killed it. It's not syrupy like uh like a truly or like a um like a white claw. It's a lot more refreshing and crisp, sort of like a press, but the flavor is just pure pineapple. So like just pineapple press. No basil, which we still haven't even found, but delicious. I found the pineapple basil. Correction, which I still haven't even found. I thought I told you, and I apparently created a memory that I brought one to you because I definitely thought I did, but clearly I didn't. So I am truly sorry. You definitely didn't do that shit. No, you know when I got it? I got it when I found my purple haze, and I was so excited by the purple haze that it overshadowed. (laughs) (laughs) And then I drank it. And then I drank the thing I was excited to give you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I totally spaced on it. I just realized that I was so excited to finally find my purple haze. Selfish. It's fine. I forgive you. I yep. love you. To be fair, you told me you would never bring me it if you found it. So I was just <laughs> paying it back. I mean, at least I was upfront about it. I didn't get it for you and then not give it to you. I straight up told you I would not give you that shit. <laughs> Also, hey there, dear listeners. If you're new here, welcome. I'm Allie. I'm Celeste, and this is our friendship, always. We're taboos. We discuss taboo topics. Clearly while drinking. And lots of fucking swear words. And in this month, we're covering topics related around girls just wanting to have fun in their reproductive choices. Girls just wanna have fun. I feel like I should sing it at least one time per episode throughout the series. I'm okay with that. I'm never singing it. It's going to be my goal to get you to do it. Last week was covering those that are child-free by choice. Celeste, would you like to talk about what we're talking about today? 
because I can't say talking about more. Wow. Wow. You double dipped on my intro. You double dipped on an intro that wasn't even your intro. I am amazed by your talent, my love. I wasn't aware that we were assigning intros. Noted going forth. <laughs> I just I just didn't know you were gonna I didn't know you were gonna segue into my episode, which I'm here for. I'm not even mad. But then you did the double dip while you were doing it and I just got confused. <laughs> All I was trying to do was Vanna for you. I appreciate you. I appreciate it so much. So actually, yeah, let's talk about what we're talking about. I double dipped for you, baby. This week, we are going to be talking about a lot of things, specifically around mamas, okay? There is going to be a section later for specifically the type of mamas that we are going to talk about. However, this episode is pre-pregnancy related, So we are talking about life before pregnancy, but not too far before pregnancy. Relatively in the vein of, I'm starting to think about having a child, or maybe I just got pregnant, or what if I were interested in having a child someday? That's really where we're going to start with this week's episode of this series. Sounds good. So before we really get into our pre-pregnancy content, I have a little pregnancy disclaimer that I would like to share for this episode, but also the remaining two episodes that will follow this one in this series because truly we are going to talk about pregnancy this month. We are going to talk about the mamas with the bellies and the bumps and the babies. Not because other moms aren't amazing or their mothering is any less magical or valid, but because truly we need to talk about where humans came from. And there's a lot of stigmas in society around pregnancy as a whole. So we thought that this series would be perfect for this month because of Mother's Day and because there's just a lot that we need to appreciate our mamas for. Exactly. This week's episode will have a content warning as we will be discussing topics related to pregnancy that may be triggering for some listeners. Allie and I want everyone to hear us say we support everyone in their journey to have a family in whatever that means to you, our listener. We empathize with mothers who have faced infinite scenarios simply because we are mothers, and we hope you empathize with our scenarios as we will be sharing them with you throughout this episode and this series as a whole. Being a mother is so many things. It can be incredible things, hard things, tragic things, weird, lonely, crazy things. But above anything, being a mother can be a truly beautiful thing, and that's how we intend the following information to be perceived. Allie and I are in no way presenting any of the information in this episode as medical professionals and above any advice we may give, please always do what is right for you and consult with your doctor with any medical questions. So without further ado, the Taboos team proudly presents phase one, pre-pregnancy. Oh, look at you and your little trumpet. I love your trumpet. That's all the sound effects you're going to get. I'm here for it. So I wanted to define this episode truly with the concept of conception. Concept, conception. Ah, Look what I did there. Conception is defined by the action of conceiving a child or of a child being conceived. Cool. Let's talk about the medical definition because I think that that's a little bit more relevant and a little bit more important for this topic. So sperm that comes from a male fertilizes the egg that comes from a female. Sperm, egg, egg, sperm. And now we're having a baby. Ready or not, here we go. Wee. <laughs> you 
don't know, I felt like we were on a roller coaster. <laughs> That felt like somebody was telling me to buckle my like lap belt in and get ready for the ride. Girl, that's probably what most people should recognize about getting pregnant or even acknowledging pregnancy is a thing because it is a fucking ride. So we, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still dying of the fact you said. <laughs> okay. All right. Here we go. So I thought we should start with pregnancy throughout history. Why is this important, you may ask? This is how we exist. Ta-da! I would literally never ask that question. Some people are. Some people are asking why is it important to talk about pregnancy through history. I'm not saying that's you, Allie. Do you know why I'm not saying that's you? Because you're on this podcast with me. I know you wouldn't ask something so foolish. But there are people who would. So we have to talk about it. Is that okay? Dear listeners, I hope you always ask why. Isn't that like a Michelle Branch song? Who the fuck is Michelle Branch? I hope you still feel small when you stand beside the ocean. <laughs> I I have no idea if I don't know the song because you're singing it or because I don't know the song. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> to be no, fair, I don't exactly look. Nope. Still got nothing. I don't think Michelle Branch was in my my uh, mixtapes. <laughs> she probably wasn't. She probably wasn't emo enough for you. It's fine. Yeah, you got any My Chemical Romance in that noggin? Welcome to the Black Parade, bitch. Oh my god, I knew that was the song you were going to say too. Of course it is. Okay, so enough of that blast from the past. Let's talk about a different kind of blast. One that Allie says goes... So the article that I referenced was called Get Me Out, Making Babies Through the Ages. And the excerpt itself is Get Me Out. Um, It was a NPR radio broadcast thing, Jig. I don't know. It was like a radio article. And then this excerpt is really what I pulled from as far as some of the research and information that I got because I thought it was well done. And the writer of this was Randy Hutler Epstein. Hmm. I had similar thoughts. (laughs) Okay, Randy Epstein. (laughs) This section is called, quote, Eve's doing birth from antiquity through the ages, end quote. So this article literally opened with, quote, Eve, the first woman to become pregnant, suffered from excruciating pain during the delivery because she cheated on her diet. God told her not to eat an apple, but she was tempted by the serpent's claim that forbidden fruit would endow her and Adam with worldly knowledge. In God's fury, he transformed the serpent into quote-unquote belly-crawling creatures. Shout out to prehistoric snakes that actually had little feet. He then turned to Eve and said, quote, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Okay? Okay. The article continued to say, the thought pattern was then set. Women deserved pain. Duh, that's so logical to me. And clearly from our virginity episode, we talked about that up and down, how Eve set the precedent forever about women being dirty and vile and evil because they bleed every month. Like, this is not different in my mind. And I guess I just never really thought about it. We all know how I feel about biblical precedences. We do. We do indeed. Let's talk about some more of them. Oh, joy. Oh, can't wait. In 
1591, Euphame McLean was burned at the stake for asking for pain relief during the birth of her twins. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What? Quote, attitude. Why? Wait. Okay. Hang on. Go ahead. Okay. No, please continue because you might answer this question that I have in my head. So please continue. Okay. Quote. Attitudes did not change much as safer anesthetics were discovered in the Middle Ages. Most people thought that they were fine for surgery, but never for childbirth. Devout men and women believed that the pain in childbirth was a quote-unquote heavenly duty. If you couldn't endure the pain of childbirth, how would you possibly handle the ups and downs of motherhood? That was the philosophy. Pain relief became somewhat acceptable when Queen Victoria asked Dr. John Snow for a whiff of chloroform to ease her delivery during the birth of Prince Leopold on April 7th, 1853. 300 years later, it took a queen delivering not her first child for this to become somewhat okay. Also, I love that John Snow... Delivered Prince Leopold in the library with the candlestick. I'm just loving that Jon Snow was the first one to help out his queen. I bet he knew nothing. Exactly. (laughs) I love us. Quote, birth from antiquity through the Middle Ages was an all-girls affair orchestrated by men who had never seen a baby be born. (laughs) It was considered obscene for a man to enter the delivery room, yet they wrote the guidebooks doling out advice based on hunches handed down for generations. In 1522, Dr. Wirt, a German doctor, was sentenced to death when he was caught dressing like a woman and sneaking into the delivery room. He was cross-dressing to get medical advantage, and he was sentenced to death. Okay, thank you for saying why he was cross-dressing and sneaking in, because I was wondering if he was doing it to learn, or if he was just being a weirdo. Okay, so the article didn't clarify, but I would assume, truly, given the fact that he was a doctor, and he went to these extents, to these lengths... That he wasn't doing it for getting his rocks off. I genuinely believe, given this small paragraph from this article, that he was in there to really study the birth process because I just don't want to think about it in a different way, I think. Yeah, I prefer to think of him as a good guy, too. We're just going to stick with that narrative. Yeah, but then in that narrative, he died for being a good doctor. Well, at least it's a good reason narrative. (laughs) All right, moving on. What was interesting about sex, pregnancy, and labor was that the perspectives that defined these concepts were that of men's perspectives. It was men's words of wisdom or ignorance that were a man-made concoction of myths, herbs, astrology, and superstition. So according to male doctors at the time, it was, here's some sage, here's some rosemary, the stars are aligned, you're going to have a baby and it's going to be great. Okay, for hundreds of fucking years. Mm -hmm. Quote, nearly everything was about good sex and good thoughts and eating and drinking the right things. Again, according to male doctors. 
The woman's perspective, however, as far back as 1500 BC, probably even earlier, according to this research, women had access to all sorts of explicit information about sex, pregnancy tests, abortions, and contraceptives. Shout out to last week's episode and the sponge birth control. Fuck that shit. That shit has haunted me since I learned about that. I literally had a nightmare about it. No, thank you. You know that sponges are still around, right? Stop talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) I hate it. I really, I hate it. Quote, for the first millennia or so, women relied on the same traditions and rewritten, told, and retold with very little change. Centuries after Hippocrates, Aristotle, and Galen were long dead, doctors were rewriting their words of ancient wisdom with very little thought to the fact that the wisdom may be outdated. Medical authors were scribes, not enlightened experts, and certainly not investigators. Pregnancy advice in antiquity was virtually the same advice Dole out in generations later to medieval women. So from antiquity, which is basically Adam and Eve, until the medieval times, pregnancy was like a one-size-fits-all brochure. Sounds like a great plan. Uh Uh-huh. Sometimes experienced midwives learned a thing or two to tweak the process, but the books did not change. That's a concern, just so everyone knows. Well, yeah, of course, because women weren't writing the books. Nope. In fact, the article went on to say this. Women were told how to speed a labor, which was really a concoction of herbs. What to eat, which was nothing too spicy. What to drink, not too much wine. And what to think, no angry thoughts. Women were told how long to breastfeed and when to hand the baby to a wet nurse. They were told to have enough sex because, quote, a splash of sperm moistens the womb. They were also told not to have too much sex because it, quote unquote, wears out the baby making machinery. Quote, in France, Pregnant women rarely left the house after dark because they were told if they looked at the moon, the baby would become a lunatic or a sleepwalker. This was medical advice for hundreds of years. Yes, none of this is shocking to me. Fascinating, but not shocking. Fascinating. Disturbing. I didn't say shocking. And also, I just really recognize that all of these concepts, what I what I really struggle with, what I'm really mad about as I'm wearing my favorite shirt that says feminism is my second favorite F word. If y'all don't know what my favorite F word is, you don't listen to enough of our fucking podcast. However, I truly recognize that women were told by male doctors all this shit about what they're supposed to do with their bodies. And yet the other women in the picture were not allowed to tell other women how to handle the experiences that men could never possibly speak to. That pisses me off. Yeah, I agree. I'm glad times have changed. (laughs) Quote, during sex. Nope. Sex during pregnancy was considered dangerous to the growing fetus because it drained a woman's vital juices that should flow to the baby. That one I thought was interesting. I hate the term vital juices. I don't disagree with you. But that one I found interesting because, you know what, when I was pregnant, I remember that myth being in my mind. I'm not saying I believed it. 
But I do recall asking the question out loud to, I didn't have magic hands at the time, but the OB that I had at the time, I remember asking her, like, can I have sex while I'm pregnant? And she was like, definitely. Why do you think you couldn't? And I was like, I don't know. Isn't it going to hurt the baby? And she was like, no, you're an idiot. And I was like, okay. Thank you for telling me. Have a great day. So I really recognize that this myth, this myth, I think is still prevalent. I really do. Along with the, I want to go back for just a second to the don't eat spicy food and don't drink too much wine. This is not me saying that fetal alcohol syndrome is not real. It absolutely is. However, I recognize that the parameters that are outlined from the fucking 1500s are still outlined today. And to what degree are they valid? right? To what degree is a glass of wine going to hurt you? Is one glass of wine going to cause fetal alcohol syndrome? Likely no. Should you take that risk? That's up to you. That's your decision. But I recognize in eating spicy food, that's bullshit. Eat all the spicy food you want to. You're not going to hurt your baby by eating spicy food. In fact, you're probably going to up your baby's ability to process capsaicin. Shout out from the girl who can't process capsaicin. Yeah, I definitely think there's a lot of myths that are rooted in old beliefs that are still kind of around today not in the same form but similar forms i wouldn't i would agree completely including this next one which i thought was really interesting quote too much intercourse caused children who would be quote unquote defective in vital and other qualities ill-tempered sickly and short-lived okay so again don't have sex once you're pregnant. Another myth is that smart parents made smart children, but again, only if they didn't have too much sex. Otherwise, their little ones would be born with higher intelligence than normal intelligence, but they would be weaklings and die before the age of 10. Wow. As always, moderation was key, but no one said what the quote-unquote natural amount of sex was. So moderation was completely subjective. And who determined moderation? Do you want to guess? Please guess, please guess, please guess. Doctors. White men. Uh. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. So that's what I got from that article. And then the article got very opinionated and I didn't love it as much anymore, but it was still a really interesting read. So if you're interested in the tone of that information, please go check out that article. It was really great. Again, it was like an NPR thing. I don't know. Shout out to NPR. Sorry, we're your competitor. Yes. Sorry, we're your competitor. We are. We're part of the problem. We're part of the podcast machine that is killing NPR. I I own that. I'm not. I can't ignore that. That makes me feel bad. Us and our 8,000 likes. <laughs> Except for their very successful podcasts. Except for that. All right. So then we switched gears to this news article that was called The History of Childbirth, which was found on birthinginjuryhelpcenter.org. So this was really broken down into a lot of categories, but specifically I pulled from the midwives and folk medicine category because I really wanted to get my hands around if doctors were saying don't drink wine and don't have sex, but have some sex because it moistens the womb. But I wanted to know how we have lived for millions of years because honestly, if it were up to those fucking dudes, we probably would have been extinct a long time ago. I really believe that. So who do we owe this credit to? Midwives and folk medicine. Truly, throughout history, we do. Since we know men, quote unquote, couldn't be present to deliver Das Bebe, who was? 
Instead of doctors and nurses, women were attended by relatives and midwives who supported them as they delivered and offered what remedies and strategies they could. Knowledge of midwifery was passed on from one generation to the next by members of a community. Eventually, books were written and published on the subject. By who? I wrote that. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I do not have a guess. I know. I don't either. I think I meant to say it like, by who? I, that is how I meant to say it. Like, who published and wrote these books? Because it wasn't women at the time. That is how I meant to say it. There was no clue. <laughs> In some societies, aspiring midwives entered apprenticeships. Some midwives worked from time to time when needed in the community, while others traveled long distances from house to house and were employed regularly. If complications arose, they called for a logical physician who assisted with his medical instruments. Midwives were sometimes responsible for taking the child to baptism while the mother rested. They also played a legal role in documenting when babies were born and who the parents were. Which I thought was really interesting. I had no idea that that was ever a function of midwives. I think that's super cool. Yeah, that's a lot of tasks. And at the time for women to be trusted with any sort of legality practice, that's a huge fucking thing. And I just really recognize how cool that is. Also, just randomly taking your baby to church to go get it baptized. <laughs> that I did think was weird. Here's Peter. Bye. I'm going to take a nap now. Peace out. I'm going to bring him back to his mother later. It's going to be great. She's sleeping. I did think the baptism thing was weird. Midwives knew and helped with the following herbal remedies that could help mothers with a multitude of problems, how to set up a room and position a woman for birth, if the baby was in the wrong position, how to turn them. So they would do this by checking the position of the baby and feeling the woman's stomach, and then they would check how far the woman was dilated. They could tell the position of the baby in the womb and also determine if there were changes that needed to be made in the span that it would take the woman to completely dilate for birth which that trigonometry that you can't even like use a compass for because it's all inside a woman's belly that's insane fucking witchcraft and i think that's beautiful that's a gift and an ability that i genuinely hope comes back into normalized pregnancy culture because people who can experience and see things like that that's just that's just fucking beautiful. Manual turning is still a thing too. Is it? Mm -hmm. I didn't know that because I didn't have to have it. I didn't have to have experiences with manual turning. Tiny came out in like 2.2 seconds. So I don't know. She basically like jumped out. I, I didn't I didn't have any manual turning experience. Yeah, that's not the that's not the actual term of it. I can't think of what it's called, but uh, I've heard about it. And most of what I've heard about it is uh, would not recommend. Oh. So if any women out there have experienced manual, say the thing, what is the thing? Manual turning. So if they're, if they're breech oh, okay. or something, they're not breech any longer. Yeah. Women, if you've experienced this manually, we want to hear about your experience because now I need to know. Now I'm just curious. But for real, like, please, we'll give you our our contact information later but i want to hear from you please at us i want to know if that was a painful thing or if that was a cool thing i think it's cool as fuck but again i haven't experienced it so i want to hear from you please and thank you love you all right 
using oiled hands, they would help stretch the woman's tissue before delivery. That one I can speak to. Shout out to Magic Hands because he legitimately like massaged my tissue for a while before I delivered Tiny. And I genuinely believe that that was part of the reason why when she came out, she came out so quickly because I was so relaxed and he had taken such good care of my body, right? In, in, I know this sounds really weird because we're talking about my OB, but seriously, he had prepped me so much and prepped my vaginal opening so much for intense pressure that I really think that that was part of the reason why she slid out like nothing because my body was ready to do that. Mm -hmm. I definitely know that the other OB that I had would not have done that though because I had two OBs in the shift that I was there. I'm glad magic hands appeared. Me too. He saved me that day. A wild magic hands appears. A wild magic hands in his natural environment. I love our labor story in general, so stay tuned for our labor stories because I I love my labor story. But yes, magic hands. Shout out. Love you forever. Appreciate you. After a child was born, they would stick around for about a month and help the mother with skills like breastfeeding, which I also thought was really cool and not something that I recognized that midwives did, which like, why would we get away from that? I I hate the idea that especially new mothers leave the hospital with their baby and there's a possibility that they go home to no one who has any idea what to do. And I don't even mean that in like a bad way. I just mean like, what if this is the first baby in the family in a long fucking time and you don't know what to do? Or what if you're not close with your parents and you don't know what to do? Like there's just so much that goes into caring for an infant human being along with the fact that you just pushed out a watermelon from a part of your body that really only gets the size of a softball. So seriously, there's a lot happening. And I think that women should be allowed, if not entitled, to ask for help and support in those first couple of weeks after having a baby. I agree. And we'll cover this in our post-pregnancy episode, but I'll just say midwives are still doing a lot of this and are 100% kick-ass. Shout out to midwives. We fucking love ya. Quote, apart from the advice of women, childbirth and medicine in general was something that of a wild west for a long time. Women were told, for example, not to think strange thoughts. For example, if you thought about monkeys, you would have hairy children. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's why Moose is such a big boy, because you thought about Moose. <laughs> yes, definitely. I'm just I'm just so fucking kidding. Theory is proven. <laughs> Quote, midwives too were sometimes accused of witchcraft if something went wrong with the pregnancy. Throughout history, midwives have been members of every social division from the upper crust of society to the lower working class. Formal training and classes eventually became available to midwives. Despite the efforts of midwives, childbirth was risky for both the mother and the baby. In medieval times, as many as one in three women died during childbirth. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. One in three women. Holy shit. It was so dangerous that young women would write their will when they discovered that they were pregnant. How sad. How sad. 
infection, postpartum hemorrhage, inexperienced midwives or doctors, and obstructed labor were common causes of death. Something that is clearly evident by artistic representations and continuing traditions is that women have not exclusively given birth lying down. Carvings and illustrations all the way back from ancient Egypt until recent centuries depict women giving birth in standing, squatting, kneeling, and sitting positions. Quote, some form of quarantining the mother before or after birth is also found in many cultures from Latin America to China, which I did not know. I didn't realize that there was like a quarantine period associated with birth in, again, mm -hmm. either before or after in other cultures. I thought that was interesting. I'm familiar with it after, not before though. So that's really interesting to me. I really thought about that as I was writing it. And I recognize that after is a health concern, right? Like infection. And I totally get it from that perspective. But I was really thinking about like, what would be the advantage of a quarantine beforehand? And I thought of two things. One, perhaps making sure that the mother herself is completely free of risk or infection or exposure. And then little spiritual hippy dippy Celeste kicked in and said, I'm actually really curious also if that quarantine beforehand was that of a spiritual nature in the sense of really cleaning your energy, making sure that you yourself are ready on every single plane to have a baby. Both Latin American and Chinese culture are both very spiritual and very religious, right? Like that's a whole spectrum in those cultures. So I'm curious if that had anything to do with it also. I remember reading something about, because it's still prevalent today in Asian culture, but I can't remember exactly how or what it pertains to and how it occurs so i'll look more into that i would love that and we can share that later in our series stay tuned so the next section is about anesthetics anesthetics showed up around the mid to late 19th century shout out to not being able to fucking use them though because again that wasn't a thing even after the queen said to Jon snow you know nothing give me the chloroform my queen <laughs> Quote, during the same period, it was discovered that pathogens are responsible for spread of disease and infections. Doctors developed antiseptics and hygienic practices that drastically reduced deaths from surgical procedures. This made it possible for women to have C-sections without later inevitably dying of infection. C-sections had previously only been used in situations where the mother was not expected to live. Before the discovery of germ theory and antiseptics, doctors caused many more deaths than midwives did because they would not wash their hands between medical procedures, spreading infections from sickly people to mothers and babies. <sighs> I'm so glad science exists. Shout out to science. But also, here's really what I was thinking about. As I was writing that, I had this little mental saving Private Ryan moment where I was like looking at the gangrene leg and I was like, okay, let's amputate scalpel. And then I looked down at my hands as a doctor and I recognize there's gangrene on my hands. Why, just as a human being, would you not wash your hands before touching anything? Just, I just, my intrinsic need. It's not even a cultural thing. It has nothing to do with the fact that I know germs are real. It isn't. I just, why wouldn't you wash your hands? Why would you want that on your hands? Why do you want that touching you? Just gross. If you grew up not knowing you needed to wash your hands, 
I would still. Would, no, no, I would. I would. I would. I no, don't even. I don't no, even. Allie, I would. I hate shit on my hands. You don't look. My hand is hurting because I am thinking about shit on my hands. I can't even open it. I would wash my hands always. I would find every. I would spit wash my hands. Look at how much it's hurting. There's pain. <gasps> okay. I had a small panic attack about it. I would wash my hands. Okay, let's move on. Quote. By the 1950s, 88% of births occurred in a hospital with a physician. Women were treated by nurses and doctors and laid horizontally during birth instead of kneeling or standing. So really, I thought that was interesting. By the 1950s, the culture had completely changed, which really wasn't that long ago. Sincerely. Mm -hmm. Quote. Over the course of the 20th century, women in the U.S. and around the world entered the medical profession in force. They themselves could become OBGYNs, not just men. Love you, magic hands. Who is a man? In many countries, midwives and nurses make up more than half of the health workforce. Stay tuned for a later episode. Quote, in the 1970s, the natural birth movement emerged. Mothers began experimenting with home water births, along with foregoing pain relief. These women wanted more control and a more personal experience. The movement, however, has been criticized for making women who want to use doctors and epidurals feel like their births are quote-unquote less natural, or like they have never experienced quote-unquote real childbirth. The truth is that nobody should ever make a woman feel bad about whichever childbirth option she pursues. Fucking duh. Yeah, I have thoughts on that. Thoughts to be shared now or in a later episode in this series? Probably a later episode more focused around birth. Stay tuned. Quote, those who are searching for a happy medium between hospitals and home births have the option of using birthing centers. This I loved. I loved this. I actually really want to use a birthing center for my next child and or all future children. Birthing centers are primarily run by midwives and doulas. While midwives can essentially replace an OBGYN, doulas are not medical practitioners. Instead, they act as emotional support before or during delivery. Shout out to all the doulas too. You guys are super necessary and we appreciate what you bring to the birthing experience as well. Yeah, definitely. Quote, so far we have not perfected the process of childbirth. In some countries where healthcare is inaccessible, death rates for mothers and babies are still really, really high. There are still complications that arise during any delivery that injure mothers and cause children to be born with disabilities. We have, however, come an incredibly long way over the course of just a few centuries for our more than 200,000 years here on Earth. So really what they're saying is in the past hundred years, we have accomplished more and come farther in the birthing process than we have in the 200,000 years that humans have been in, in existence. Thinking if we've been in existence for 200,000 years. But yes, I agree with the sentiment. Do you want to count on your fingers and toes real quick? Um, No, because we all know how great I am at that. <laughs> Fair. So that's really what I had about history, and I thought that that was all really, really interesting, and I thought even though it wasn't like a full in-depth look, I thought it was a really indicative picture of not only how far we've come, but the options that are available 
when it comes to giving birth and getting pregnant and just in general, like how far we as human beings have come in this entire concept. Yeah. Leaps and bounds. It doesn't even remotely cover it. Agreed. So the next thing that I want to cover is types of moms. So there are a bunch of ways to become a mom. And I pulled this from Bounty.com, which I was really underwhelmed with. So please hold on. According to Bounty.com, the other ways to become a mother are through surrogacy, adoption, and fostering. But wait, there's more. According to Celeste, mothers can include stepmoms, grandmothers, sisters, aunts. They can include your pets, plants, and rocks. Oh my, I have a rock. His name is Frank. I love him very much. All of these mother figures are meaningful and valuable in their own respect. However, for us to move forward with the rest of this conversation, we are going to talk about moms who have, in fact, given birth to a child, if not multiple children. That's going to be the tone for the rest of this series. And yes, that's part of this episode as well, but other types of moms deserve shout outs too. Those moms are just as valid and just as important. It's not really even a different type of mom, but I mean, really, when we boil it down, it is. It's just, it's not different or less valid. Being a mom is the hardest job there is, and you get credit for that in whatever way you show up as the mom. Yeah, 100%. Truly, the call out here is this specific series is about pregnancy. Yeah, thanks, Allie Girl, for saving me right there. You didn't need saving, you were perfect. You're perfect. So the place that I wanted to take this next is how do you know when you're ready to have a baby, right? Because currently in our series, we're not pregnant yet. We're still in the stage of pre-pregnancy. So how do you know when you're ready to have a baby? I really wanted to ask that question and I typed this into Google and don't you fret. I got some answers for us. Are you ready for those answers? Please tell me you came across the video where it's like, can you tell when you're pregnant? <laughs> no, I love that video though. Oh my God. Remember when we used to binge that shit? We watched that. There's probably like a million hits on that video on YouTube and we are probably like 500,000 of them. I'm not even joking. Pregnante. Pregnant. Pregnante. I love that fucking video. But no, that's not what I found. I found what's out there according to how society sees this question, which is so great. According to todaysparents.com, the article is titled 15 signs you're ready to have a baby. Again, this is the first thing that comes up on a Google search, okay? That means for anybody who doesn't know how Google works, it's either the highest paid article or it's the top clicked article. So that means there's a lot of motherfuckers who think that this is good information. I'm just telling you. The article started with this quote, and this should set the tone. Quote, you have an ovulation kit or five, some baby names in mind, and your sister's old maternity genes in your closet. But are you ready to be a mom? Find out if you show the signs. Because if an internet list says you're ready for a baby, you're definitely ready. Are you ready to talk about what the list says? This is not actually some shitty satire based on Cosmopolitan, right? No, this is todaysparent.com. Jesus Christ. So just wait. This reads like some shitty satire based on Cosmo. I don't like it. Just you fucking wait. I already hate it. Although that description <laughs> was half me. I already hate it. 
All right, let's let's buckle in for some more hate it. Number one, you love nights in as much as you love going out. Sign number one. Sign number two. (laughs) Okay. You have witnessed a tantrum and it didn't make you run for the closest condom. Mm -hmm. Three. Please keep in mind there are 15 of these. I'm really excited. You don't mind drinking alone. Quote, unquote, because these are just the bullet points. And then there was, there was, oh, 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 don't you shake your head at me yet. Just you fucking wait, because I have to read the paragraph that came from this article before you can react to drinking alone. Okay? Okay. Okay. Quote, you know those long days that make you want to unwind with a glass of wine and a couple of fun girlfriends? Well, it's hard to meet your girlfriends when you're a human milk machine and you're waking up every three hours. But wine, in parentheses, safely consumed in moderation of a few hours before you plan to nurse again, will always love you. End quote. This has to be satire. If this is actual advice, I'm really upset. Allie, I'm telling you, it's, I don't think fake. I don't think this is funny. I also hate the mom's need to drink wine. Like, I can't think of the terminology that I'm looking for. Like, the connection where mom's Stereotype. thing that have to be a thing. Thank you. Yes. We talk about those all the time, and I couldn't think of the we word. We really do. Thank you. And you couldn't. You're welcome. I love you. Number four. Number four really, really, really was good. Number four is you have shown your breasts to everyone who needs to see them. Followed by the quote, this is as good as they're ever going to look. So now is the time to show them off. They might get huge when you're pregnant or nursing, but they will be pretty veiny and incredibly deflated like sad flesh-colored balloons. Oh, and should you choose to breastfeed, there will be even fewer people in your social circle who haven't seen them than people who have. So maybe take a picture of them today in case you ever want to show one of those many, many, many people that say what they used to look like. End quote. Wow. Mm -hmm. Number five is you don't mind sharing. Number six is bodily fluid is not, quote unquote, that disgusting. Seven, you can't stop looking at other people's babies. Mm-hmm. Eight, you are well rested. Nine, you find yourself eating your friend's crusts and leftovers off of their plates. Ten, your clothes are machine washable. Eleven, you're a night person and a morning person. Twelve, to be fair, I wish somebody I wish somebody would shout it out ten to me prior. To be fair, no, you're not wrong. Ten is legit. Ten is legit as fuck. Wash your clothes. Machine washable is not your enemy, I promise. I have so many dresses that are not machine washable, and I would not have survived had I had them while Tiny was a baby because she was the shittiest baby. I don't even mean a bad baby. I mean this kid shit constantly all over me, all over my clothes. Machine washable is your friend, I promise. 12. You don't own any white decor. (laughs) Dear listeners, I just made a jerking off motion. 13. You have watched at least one full episode of, quote unquote, a baby story. I don't even fucking know what a baby story is. Do you? No. Okay, cool. Do I look like somebody that (laughs) would watch a baby story? (laughs) 14. You have watched how other people act around their kids and think that you can do it better. And number 15, 
You are pregnant. Don't let the above scare you. You will be awesome at this. And then my special guest notebook says, okay, but what if they aren't because they weren't ready? Dot, 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 question mark. (laughs) I get that the rest of it was supposed to be funny, but also semi-realistic, but Jesus. Funny, yes, but I recognize that the advice, whether it's right or wrong or satire or not, this advice is what people tell you when you ask out loud to society, how do you know when you're ready to have a kid? When you Mm -hmm. ask that question of the general public, these are the fucking answers that you get back. And this is fucking bullshit. This is fucking wrong. If this is how our society is going to look at the culture of becoming a mother and pregnancy as a whole and starting a family, you guys, we are progressing fucking backwards. Humankind has to be better than recognizing that pregnancy means that your boobs are going to turn into flesh colored fucking deflated balloons and you can't drink. There's more to life. There's more to this experience than that shit. And I promise your tits and your alcohol consumption are the least relevant problems that you will face before having a child. Get your priorities straight. Ask a real and reputable resource. Ask a bunch of real and reputable resources. I just really need society to hear this wake-up call. We can't keep talking about pregnancy like this. We can't. This really shouldn't be the number one article. It shouldn't. That's also part of my fucking problem. Humans made that the number one fucking article. Society made it that way. And like I said before, whether it's the top paid article or the top viewed article, it doesn't matter. Either way, it's the number one search result. And I can promise you, as a 20-year-old girl who thought she was ready to have a fucking baby, this is the article I would have read. This is the article that would have brought me comfort as I was laying in bed scared out of my fucking mind because I was pregnant on accident by my abuser. And my daughter is the best thing to ever happen to me. But that doesn't change the fact that I was scared fucking shitless. And this is the article that I would have read. And this is how I would have justified that I was ready to have a baby. This is it. This is the checklist that I would have looked at. And that's wrong. That's wrong. Because 20-year-old Celeste didn't know the real fucking priorities. Because we don't talk about them like that. Mm -hmm. So should we try again? Should we ask the question again? How do I know when I'm ready to have a baby? But this time, should we use real people's answers. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So I did a little request on my Facebook and these were some of the responses that I got from some pretty incredible people in our lives. The first being Emily N. Shout out to Emily and her beautiful, beautiful family. Quote, I don't know if you're ever quote unquote ready. You can have all your ducks in a row. Good house, good job, healthy, feeling quote unquote set to take on parenthood. But every child is different and every child has different needs. My husband and I have good jobs, a roof over our heads, and the ability to provide our children in any means necessary. Nothing prepared us for some of the obstacles that we faced with our children having needs outside of the normal food, shelter, clothes, etc. Although our situation is different, it's because our children came from a place of abuse, neglect, and trauma. 
Some of the things that we have encountered in parenthood, there isn't a quote-unquote how-to or quote-unquote prepare-for story. There is just simply an unconditionally giving your all to help these tiny humans navigate the world we live in as best you can, end quote. That was beautiful. I thought so too. And Emily really does have the cutest, most precious little children. And I'm so happy for her and her family. Huge hugs and love and light to Miss Emily because you bring me so much joy and I love seeing your family on my timeline. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The next came from Samantha B. And I loved this answer. Quote, my husband and I decided we were ready after we talked it over and decided if our parenting styles matched. We wanted to make sure that the way that we disciplined and the way we interacted with our kids in general worked. It didn't need to be the same, but we needed to know what we were willing to compromise on and what we stood firm on. End quote. Yes, all that. That makes me super happy. Shout out to you, Samantha. Real. My notebook says, girl, yes. That is an aspect of parenting that so many people do not talk about until it's too fucking late. If you're literally sitting there daydreaming with your partner about having a baby, that's totally cool. That's fine. Enjoy that daydream. But if you're really starting to think about setting up a family structure with somebody, you need to look at them on their worst day and really think, if this person had to dole out punishment to our child... How are they going to react? Am I going to like that reaction? Am I going to tolerate their reaction? How am I going to react to somebody coming at my kid? Because truly, parenting is a 50-50 balance, no matter what your fucking situation is. I recognize I don't have a 50-50 situation, and my child is still a 50-50 balance between her father and I. That's just how it works. It's just how kids are. So you need to know going into this situation that you have a solid partner in that and you guys share the same values. Because if you don't, one of you is going to undermine the other and the other parent is going to constantly fucking be the bad guy. And that game sucks. Yeah, here's the thing. For those people that are getting into having a child with a partner, or I should say with a partner in the picture, you need to be willing to have that nitty-gritty conversation and open conversation about your parenting styles and get it out there so there isn't anything unexpected because the unexpected does harm to the child. So that needs to be level set. Thank you for also saying that, that inconsistency brings harm to the child. Absolutely. Absolutely, without question. And that's also where I'm coming from in the undermining versus bad guy perspective too. That literally is creating confusion and manipulation tactics for your kid. And I'm not saying that all of that's bad. I'm not saying that that's not things that your child's not going to experience in their life naturally. Of course it is. But you set the precedent for how your child reacts to all situations in or outside of your house, given the exposure that you give them. If you're constantly giving them mixed messages because you and your partner have opposite parenting styles or discipline styles, that's a problem that you're creating of your own account. That doesn't make you a bad parent, but really it is something that you need to take into consideration and to a degree accommodate for. Alex K via my girl L, shout out to Alex and L, said, quote, when we are ready to give up the time for ourselves to dedicate to a child because all other aspects of our lives are more than stable and manageable and we can adequately devote our time and energy to raising a good human being, that is when we're ready to have a baby. 
I thought that that was a great answer. So shout out to Alex for sharing that perspective, which meant a lot to me, especially because Alex is a man. Shout out to our child-free episode where we ask the question, what are hobbies? Real. The next quote is from my girl, Brooke. Shout out to Brock. I love you. Miss you. Kisses to my Kai. Quote, you're ready when it happens, no matter how ready you are for what's really to come. The next quote is from Lair Bear. Quote, my guess is if you wait until you're ready, it's too late. I made that face too. You just keep making that face. Love you, Lair. Love you, Lair. Yeah, I can't help but make that face. I know. Same. That's why I wanted to share it, though, because I thought that that was a really important perspective to share. I agree. Amanda J. had another really important perspective to share, and that is, quote, Well, I'm 33 years old, and we've been married for nine years. We were ready about eight years ago. Sometimes life doesn't give you the cards that you're looking for. I don't think that anyone knows what, quote unquote, ready actually is. What I do think is that if you have room in your heart to love someone, a little tiny human unconditionally, no matter what the cost, that is what I think ready is. When your whole heart can love someone to the end of the earth, that's when you're ready. When you care about their health and safety above your own, that's when you're ready. I thought that was a really important perspective too because I feel like so many parents don't recognize intentionally or unintentionally that their child's well-being comes before their own every single moment of the day. In good moments, in bad moments, it doesn't matter. And that's not to say that you're selfish for taking time for yourself, but your child's needs must be met before your own. That's the deal. That's what parenting really is. And it's my position if you're not ready to commit to that, you're not ready to have a child. Yeah, you are literally always on. There is no backseat driver in this job. Even when you're on vacation. I really mean that. I'm not even saying like a mom vacation. I really mean you're on vacation and your baby is home with grandma and grandpa, right? Cool. You're on vacation. I guarantee you though, you think about your baby at least a hundred times a day. Even though you're on vacation, even though you're relaxed, even though your ass is in the sand and your toes are in the water and you have a cactus pineapple fucking seltzer in your hand, I guarantee you're thinking about your child because the job of being the mom never turns off. The job of being the dad never turns off. For people who are ready and accept the responsibility of those jobs, that's not something that goes away ever. And that's how you know when you're ready. That link is something completely different. So this is the part where I ask you what you think it means to be ready to have a baby. So coming from a logical perspective, I would say having some small part of financial stability is always great just because babies are really fucking expensive. Being prepared to truly give up your time for a while until they are more... uh, Independent. Thank you. I could only think of the word individualistic. The term <laughs> that too, that too, and honestly, when you're prepared to be completely overwhelmed by how much you adore this little person, like it is crazy the connection that you will have with your child, and you might not have it right away, and that's totally fine, but it'll get there, and it's overwhelming and totally scary at times, and it can hit you like a ton of bricks, but it's awesome. Also, be prepared. Train yourself with sleep deprivation, potentially. (laughs) Just a tip from me to you. Allie likes just the tip, just so you know. (laughs) 
I love that. I think that those are super valid things to be ready for, right? And and I am ready boxes to check. I think that's completely valid. How about you? I think you're ready when... Here's the thing. I recognize I wasn't ready. I do. But I also recognize I was never gonna be ready. I recognize that the way that I had tiny is the way that I was meant to have tiny. I am very much a gloves off kind of girl. I have to experience it. I have to just do it. And in my situation, I recognize that was as ready as I was going to get. Could I have been more financially prepared? Sure. Could I have been a better place in my life? Without question. My baby daddy's a fucking abuser. Like, yes, I could have been in a better place, okay? Ew, I called him my baby daddy. I've never done that. Gross. I take it back. He's not that. But still, I really recognize I wasn't going to get more ready. And I think that that's okay to say too. I know I wasn't ready. I know that. But I also know I wasn't going to be more ready. She had to be here for me to understand what this job meant. Because my whole life I knew I'd be good at it. My whole life I've always loved kids. I've always wanted to be a mom. I know that. She was an accident. But at the same time, she was meant to happen. And I know that that's true. So really, if that's what ready looks like to you, that's okay everybody's ready looks different. I think that that's also an important thing to look at. I agree and I definitely think that is 100% valid. Thank you. I also recognize that as much as I was ready, I wasn't ready. Exactly. (laughs) So. (laughs) And I think that that's what most people would tell you about their experiences, no matter where their family journey led them, no matter what hoops they had to jump through to get to the place that they call their family. I don't think anybody's fucking ready for the shit show that comes with having another life to be responsible for one that looks like you and smells like you and talks like you but then at the same time looks and sounds and talks and thinks like someone else that you know you can literally see yourself and this other human being combined in this little tiny thing that you made and it's just fucking beautiful but you're never gonna be ready for it ready is a state of mind And I welcome everybody to get as close as you can to it because that's the best you're going to do. I think there are steps you can take to be more prepared. Agreed. But I think prepared and ready are two completely different words in this scenario. Exactly. Entirely. And thank you for saying that again because I think that that's an important message to capitalize on. I really do. So the next question I searched was, quote unquote, Things I should know about getting pregnant, because I thought that that was a really big deal too. Nobody ever told me what to expect about getting pregnant other than, guess what? At some point, you're going to look like you swallowed a basketball. That's what I knew about getting pregnant at 20, 21 years old. So this was important to me for this research, and I did a very similar concept to what I did to the previous question. So... This article is 17 things to know before you try to get pregnant, and this came from babycenter.com. This is a lot better, but please know, I still don't like this. One, schedule a preconception visit. Guess what? If you're already pregnant, you don't need a preconception visit. Two, consider genetic carrier screening. That's actually really valid. Three, take folic acid. Watch out for vitamin A. Um, okay. 
I'm not knocking prenatal vitamins, but also if prenatal vitamins make you sick, don't fucking take them. Four, give up binge drinking, smoking, and drugs. Get help if you need it. I'm just going to leave that one there. Thanks for clarifying. (laughs) No, I was like, I'm just going to leave that one there. Five, stock your fridge with healthy goods. Healthy foods. Goods, foods, foods, goods. I don't give a fuck. Healthy shit in your fridge. That's what the article says. Mm-hmm. Six, check your caffeine intake. Okay. Seven, aim for a healthy weight. That one specifically I have a personal issue with. And also I thought it was really interesting that one of the in-person real people life experiences hit on weight. So we're going to come back to that. Weight has like an extra highlight on it. Eight, pay attention to the fish you eat because a raw fish is bad for pregnant women. Mercury. Don't don't eat mercury. Don't eat mercury. As I look up and see Freddie Mercury with his fist in the air. <laughs> Nine. Create and follow an exercise program. Okay. Jesus. Ten. I mean, I do this, but Jesus. I know. But are you ready for ten? Because this is... Ten was a great, definite... I definitely thought about ten before I got pregnant. Are you ready for number ten? Yes. I'm ready for ten. See your dentist. Oh, yeah, because pregnancy can kill your teeth. (laughs) Okay, but is that really a a top 17 priority before you get pregnant? Really? To be fair. To be fair. That's one of the things that a lot of people don't know about pregnancy, so I kind of appreciate the shout out. I didn't know that about pregnancy, so I appreciate that you knew this and that you're giving it a shout out. I retract my sarcasm. Number 11. Consider your mental health. I got pissed that mental health was after the dentist, though. I'm still mad that mental health is after the dentist. I concur. Number 13, avoid infections. I just would like to say maybe number 13 is important always. Jesus Christ, it's my favorite pastime. (laughs) I love contracting infections. It's my favorite. 14, reduce environmental risk. And then I literally just sort of shook my head. Reduce environmental risk. I get I get the abusive partner thing. And I, I understand like you shouldn't live in a building that's foreclosed. Like I understand. But also for people who have already accomplished seeing the dentist because they're interested in getting pregnant. I'm confident that those people don't live in a high risk environment. They've already gone to the dentist. They live in areas where tetanus shots are needed regularly mm-hmm. number 15 think your decision through that's only number 15 though so you got a ways you, you don't have to think about it until number 15 there's a lot to accomplish before then 16 figure out when you ovulate and 17 toss your birth control throw that sponge away goodbye sponge Plus, I'm really glad to see you go. No, really get rid of the sponge regardless because the sponge is fucking terrible. If you need other forms of birth control, there's so many other options. Just even non-hormonal ones. But the sponge can't be a thing. Dear listeners, if you use a sponge as a form of contraceptive, apparently Celeste is peeing for your new contraceptive method. That's not true. Your old contraceptive method just really hurts my soul and I dislike it and I can't think about it. So let's move on. 
So I took this question back to, again, my Facebook, and I got some really fantastic feedback that I really wanted to share because I thought that this was amazing advice. And this is shit that I really would have wanted to hear before I got pregnant. Like, this is the shit. This is really what women need to be talking about. This is what the articles need to be talking about. This is what pre-pregnancy advice should look like because this is real. This is real women who have experienced this, who are not making a joke of it, who are not being shitty about this, who understand that every woman's experience is different, but these are the things that she wishes that she would have known. Why would we not take that advice? That's literally, go back to the history portion of our episode, that's how medical advice started to begin with. Why would we turn away from that? And go to the fucking articles that make fun of women for being pregnant. I just really think that this is more valuable. So are you ready to hear what some of our favorite people had to say about wish, what they wish they would have known before they got pregnant? Definitely. All right. My girl Emily said, quote, I wish that I would have known mom guilt exists even for moms that are always with their children. And I wish that I would have known that there would have been competitive energy between myself and my mom. I thought that being a mom myself would bring us closer, but I feel like everything I do is wrong to her. I just want her to acknowledge that I am a good and intentional mom. I really appreciate what Emily had to say because sometimes I feel that way, that my mom and I are in a competition to be the best mom to my daughter. And I am constantly confused by that energy because I'm her mom and she's my mom. So I don't know why we're fighting over who gets to love the baby the most because I'm her baby. Yeah, mom slash parent guilt is fucking insane. Like, dear God. Super, super insane. Natalie M said, quote, I wish I would have known how real mom shaming is and that everyone has an opinion about your parenting, how real mom burnout is, and that it doesn't make you any less of a mom. Mom burnout is real as fuck, you guys. Yep. And it really doesn't make you a bad mom. Everybody experiences it. It's part of the fucking territory. Literally just had to have Nick talk me down last week, two weeks ago. Yep. Somewhere along those lines. Because you were burned out? Yep. That's crazy. And again, nobody warns you that this is coming. Nobody tells you about that part. Janae V said, quote, I wish somebody would have told me how postpartum can come in more forms than just depression. It can make you angry and cause separation anxiety and paranoia. Even if your baby is just in the next room, it can make you feel like you want nothing to do with your baby and then make you feel guilty about feeling that way. I was under the impression that PPD was just waves of emotion, but it's so much deeper than that. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned for our post-pregnancy episode. Leah T said, quote, I wish I knew how bad maternity leave was for my mental health. Not everybody enjoys it. Unfortunately, I am one of the people who felt trapped by it. I wish I would have learned not to put as much weight on developmental milestones. It caused a lot of unnecessary heartache and stress. I also wish that people would have warned me how terribly pregnancy can be both physically and mentally and how I am not alone in not enjoying it. But there's nothing wrong with me for not enjoying it. And lastly, the inability to breastfeed is incredibly common and I wish that I had learned more about the quote-unquote fed is best initiative before I felt my son and I were victimized by the militant pressures of breastfeeding from both society and lactation consultants. That's real. What was her name? Leah. 
Dear Leah, please be prepared for our rant in two episodes on the uh, breast is best that is within our hospitals now because I experienced that. I hear you and I feel that and I am 100% here for that rant. Let's get it. Stay tuned. LB said, quote, that your man may never understand how much you hate your mom body, even though you love the ones who gave it to you. That's real as fuck. Yep. Dana L, shout out to our Black Women Matter episode. We absolutely love Dana. Thank you for always loving us and supporting us and sharing your opinions with us. We are so grateful for you. Dana said, quote, I wish I had been prepared to know that my kids are people too. Just because I'm their mom doesn't mean I'm right all the time. That's a huge fucking thing that I wish I would have known about parenting because I walked into this shit thinking that I knew what the fuck was going on. And guess what? Half the time I don't. Yeah, no, I don't know what I'm doing 99.9% of the time, so. Real, real. And you guys hear my kids swear all the time. It's hard keeping in mind that they're people with their own wills and goals, and you have to, like, respect that while maintaining your own sanity. Real, and it's hard as fuck. Shout out to Miss Holly from our infertility episode. Holly said, quote, multiples happen. And I said, quote, and they're all real as fuck. Oh my god, we need to replace shit happens with multiples happen. (laughs) Multiples happen. Jenny H. said, quote, My advice to all moms, new or not, is don't listen to, quote unquote, what's right. Because only you know what's right. Follow your gut because mama always knows what's best for her child. And I thought that that was the best advice that there was to give. Honestly, there need to be more people out there who give advice to mothers that include just trust yourself. Just trust your body. Because even if you don't know what your body is doing to react to this situation, our bodies instinctively know how to provide for our children. So just listen. Listen to the way that they cry. Listen to the way that your body reacts. Listen to the way that your breasts react to crying. Like there's such a language that I really feel like nobody talks about. And it's not, women aren't empowered in motherhood. And I don't understand why. And they should be. So this is us empowering mamas. Trust yourself as the mama. Your body knows how to take care of the baby. And that's okay. Yeah, I agree. Your intuition knows what's best for your child. No matter what works or doesn't work, you as the mama will adapt and just trust yourself through that process. The very last thing that I wanted to talk about as it relates to pre-pregnancy is the question, where do babies come from? Allie, do you want to share with our listeners where babies come from? I once watched this movie called Look Who's Talking, and I highly suggest it as a documentary. Kirstie Alley? Who else is in that? John Travolta? I think no. it... No, no, Who no. Who is that? Isn't it John Stamos? Or John Cusack? I think it's a John. Is it even a John? I think it's a John. But I loved Who Was Talking. I love Who's Talking. Look Who's Talking. That was such a good movie. I don't disagree with that recommendation. My answer is sex. 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 <laughs> Aside from sex, also... IVF or other infertility treatments. But then I also, just for shits and giggles, I asked Tiny where babies come from. And would you like to know her answer? Yes. Tiny said, quote, mamas, end quote. (laughs) I thought that was a great answer. So that is everything that I had for pre-pregnancy. Stay tuned for the next part of the series, which is pregnancy. 
Bump it bump. I learned a ton here today, but honestly, I just wanted to say that my favorite part was all of the responses. I agree completely. And as I really think about what I learned here today, other than I learned a shit ton about midwives and doulas that I didn't know before, which I really appreciated. And also, I learned some different birthing techniques that I myself might look into with my next child. So that was also really cool. But yes, the perspectives shared by other moms and other people who have given this genuine thought and who take the concept of parenting very seriously. Because it is. It's a very serious thing. Like, yes, it can be fun and it can be beautiful. But girl, at the end of the day, this is the hardest fucking job you will ever have. There is no overtime. There is no paid vacation. There is no dental insurance. It's terrible. And the working conditions are brutal. And your boss is a small dictator. Sometimes who doesn't even speak the language that you speak. It's awful sometimes. But you got to be ready no matter what. And if you want to be a great parent, being a great parent's not that hard. I really think that's an important piece that a lot of people don't talk about either. Mm-hmm. I agree. Really, food, shelter, and emotional and mental support for your child. Love. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, love's important too. (laughs) I think though that's the the thing that I want to just end this on though. I think that a lot of people have children because they don't know what love looks like and they think that having a baby will bring love into their life. And without question, it will. It will bring love into your life. But if you don't know how to love, figure that out before you have a child. That's really the advice that I think I have to end this with. And that's something that I didn't learn from this episode. But as I was reading the information that's out there versus the information that our listeners and our our people, our humans shared, the difference that I read between the lines is some answers are responded with love and others aren't. And parenting really sincerely comes down to basic needs and love. I don't think that you can successfully raise a child without that entire spectrum. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. I loved this episode though, and I thought this was a fantastic start to our Girls Just Want to Have Fun series. You mean a fantastic second episode to our Girls Just Want to Have Fun series. Okay, you're right, but we started talking about pregnancy. Our pregnancy portion of this series. I don't know what Fran Drescher voice you took on twice (laughs) during this episode, but... Let me have my moment. So, dear listeners, if you also enjoyed that voice (laughs) and want to tell us about it, you can reach out to us at our socials, which are TaboosThePod on Instagram and Twitter. It's Taboos on Facebook. You can email us at taboospodcast at gmail.com. We have a website as well. It is taboosthepod.com. We also have a Patreon where if you would like to help us keep the lights on, that's a thing. That's a thing. (laughs) It should be on our website. We're doing so good at this. It should be on our website. Uh, Yep. If not, it's in our link tree that still exists because it might not be on our website. (laughs) Surprise, Celeste. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> awesome. We also have merch on our T Public store. We like never shout it out, but it's out there and it's awesome because Melissa is an amazing graphic designer. And Real. if you like what you hear, subscribe, 
share us. We're an indie podcast. That's how we grow from you guys. We never call it the action. Stop looking at me like that. Girl, I'm looking at you because I have 2% battery. Oh my God. Okay, we go. We're going to go now. Okay, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. And on that note, you guys, do you be taboos? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.